0: Thank you so much. Sort of a calming uh, music to draw us into a place of listening. So this morning I am going to share with you uh, two passages from Matthew that tell about the call of the disciples. Um, At least five of the disciples. First of four fishermen and then of one tax collector. So reading first from um, Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. As he, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there he saw two other brothers James son of Zebedee and his brother John in a boat with their father Zebedee mending their nets and he called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him those four fishermen And then we don't hear anything else about a call until we get a few chapters in further in and in Chapter 9, beginning with verse 9, we hear about the call of this other one in other Gospels called Levi, whose name becomes Matthew. But here Matthew, not surprisingly, refers to him as Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. As Jesus sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Now, God, thank you for this word about a call, about a call, about a call to follow. Thank you for those disciples and for those who the ages have answered that call and now work in us, open us up. To your call in our lives, that we might respond, yes, Amen. So we've gotten we've gotten into this uh, groove now. We're on our journey, right? The people of stone that extends far beyond this sanctuary and even this community. Are we there yet? our journey to Easter during this Lenten season. It is about movement. Last week we heard about uh, Jesus' temptation in the desert, in the wilderness, but that the setup for that was also about movement. Jesus heads to the River Jordan. John puts him in and under the water. Jesus rises up. The dove, the spirit like a dove comes down from heaven. Then Jesus is moved, sent, driven, led out into the wilderness. And then Jesus returns and his ministry begins. His ministry begins and he calls these first disciples. I always think this is important. This part about remembering That although we believe, right, Jesus as Son of God, as divine, could have done it alone, he chose not to. He chose not to be uh, the Lone Ranger, but rather to build a community around him that would share the good news. So he begins to, he begins to call Uh, the disciples and again this is movement we're told in both those passages that Jesus was walking along In the first passage it says he's walking along by the Sea of Galilee he sees Peter and Andrew and then James and then John In that next passage from Matthew 9 Jesus it says he's he walks along and he sees a tax collector at a booth now we can assume that these men were quite different uh, based on their profession, so those four fishermen and that one tax collector. But what we know is they were all at work, right? The fishermen um, were all at work. They were fishing, we're told that uh, uh, James and John were mending their nets. And Jesus comes to them and calls them in the routine of their everyday lives. Now, that the children's story I read comes from another gospel that tells that on that first call, Jesus invited uh, Peter and Andrew to throw their nets out, and they had a big catch. In the passage that I just read from Matthew, we don't get any introduction about that. We don't know that they even knew Jesus. It says Peter and Andrew were casting their net into the sea, and James and John were mending their nets, And Matthew was sitting at the tax booth. In that story, in these stories, we have no indication that these men were waiting or watching for Jesus. He came. Suddenly, into the ordinary routine of their lives, he came and said, hey, you. In that uh, children's version, I like that. He says, hey, Matthew. Hey, James. Hey, you. It's me. Jesus, come follow me and I will make you fish for people. Many of us who grew up in the church probably grew up singing, I will make you fishers of men, right? With the fishing pole and the reel. Over time, we've uh, come to realize that the expansion of Christ's ministry, Jesus' ministry, wasn't to all people. To Matthew, Jesus said, Come follow me. I won't turn your life upside down. I'll turn it right side up. Hmm. Came into their routine. Most of us, I'd like to say all of us, but that's probably not true. Most of us have a routine, a pattern of living. Um, That's not a bad thing. In fact, it helps us cope, right? It helps us get things done. We don't have to decide about Every single part of our lives. These patterns form how we live, what time we get up, what we have for breakfast, what kind of work we do in the day, whether that be outside the home or where we live. These routines, these patterns become our comfort zones. You've heard that expression before. It's where we feel comfortable in, in this orderly way that we do things. And again, that is for the most part good. But sometimes we get stuck in what is comfortable, in what is routine, and, and we have a hard time hearing a call to something more. Fishing was just a pattern. It was a way of life. It was certainly an income for Peter, James, and John. We know that they were fishing, at least uh, Peter and Andrew were uh, fishing with their father, Zebedee, so it was a family business. There was a routine of sailing, of casting, of bringing in the catch, of mending the nets. And Matthew, we know little about him, but we imagine for him as well. Possibly he grew up in this profession. It was what he did. It was what he did. And then into their routine, into their Comfort zone came this one Jesus who said, "Hey you! Follow me. Come, come, follow me." Hmm. If you are with us this morning, whether in the sanctuary or joining us remotely, um, you know something of Jesus already. or you probably wouldn't have tuned in here or there. We have the benefit of almost 2,000 years of stories of folks who witnessed to the divine call, whether it be these disciples you heard about this morning or the amazing people who have modeled faith to us over all these years. So we know about Jesus the Christ, and we know that he can call us even in the midst of, and probably most likely in the midst of our daily routines. But how do we hear? How are we even aware that this is possible to hear this call in our ears and in our hearts? Now, two ways we're working on this, really working, moving on this during this season of let here at Stone. A couple of ways. They're quite concrete steps. Uh, one is our prayer cards. And if you have not already, I'd invite you to pick up a packet. And whether you're, and if you're joining us remotely, they're available online. And every day, every day, there's a card. You can pull it out of your I'm just kind of kind of randomly. Um, so here, day four, we already went by this, March 5th. Your uh, invitation is to pray for teachers and professors and for all who work in education. I like this next line. Pray for those you know by name and those you don't. There's a call. Pray for those you know by name and those you don't. So every day we're invited to listen then. And maybe break out of our routine because I am familiar with these. And and some of these prayers for this season are, are people that We would always pray for our families, our friends, but some are not. Some prayers to open us up. The other way we are as collectively individuals and as a church moving through this season is with Adam Hamilton's book, The Walk. Five essential practices of the Christian life. There are two groups and conversations about this. One in person on Wednesday mornings at 10 and one in the evening on Wednesdays at 6.30. There's also a number of people, both in leadership and in fellowship here at the church, that are reading it independently. It's inviting us, this book is inviting us, and also you can access videos through our, uh, check out our website and uh, find out how you can watch on our media site. It invites us to worship in prayer, the study of scripture, to the serving of the community, Through giving of our finances and through sharing through our positive witness. Each of these has the potential. You know, God can't make us do anything. Each of these has the potential to open us up so we can first hear the call. Hey you! Hey you! And then to follow where Jesus calls us. It occurred to me late in the week... That one of the cool things about these two stories, when you put them together, is that Jesus' first call is collective. When he says, follow me, hey, you, he means yens, if we were from Pittsburgh. Y'all, if you're from the south. He's talking to a group of fishermen. And when he calls Matthew, singular you, Right? That's what happens when we're together and when we're apart. That the call of Jesus both comes to us individually and calls to us collectively. The person that we claim in the Methodist tradition, and for any of the church's denominations who have Wesleyan in their name, is John Wesley. He was actually an Anglican priest, raised by an Anglican priest and a devoted religious mother Susanna, John Wesley, born in 1703 in England. Wesley had a deep commitment to Christ in his heart and his head and he was one for the great ordering of the community. That is how we are we as Methodists first got that name. It was kind of a derogatory term, actually, a little bit making fun of Wesley and his brother Charles and this Oxford group who were so methodical in their practice. But Wesley believed in the practice not only of individuals and of a community. Over time... uh, as the societies, as he called them, grew both in uh, England and then to the work and ministry and mission of the uh, Wesleys came to the United States. Wesley uh, instituted a prayer. It was a prayer that we now call the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. But it was actually patterned off a prayer that he had grown up with, from his uh, learned from his Anglican parents. That he had turned into and incorporated into a prayer of the community. It was called and is called the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. It is most typically prayed and used in congregations. Both abroad and here in the United States. On the first Sunday of the new year. Because it is an offering of oneself to follow this call. a, A complete submission of oneself. It's when you say yes to the hey you. Follow me. So this morning, as the end of this message and as a movement into prayer, I'm going to invite you to pray with the words that are on, when we will pray it in union, in in unison, the prayers that are on the screen. They're written in old English. It sounds a bit like King James. But I believe that still we will find our way to open our ears and our hearts to this commitment. So please join me now. ...in the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee... ...or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee... ...or brought low by thee. Let me be full Let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And amen. And so our hearts and our heads say yes. And then we are invited when we leave to live this out in our lives.